bringing you a common sense and fresh perspective to creating a just society. This is Common Sense on Social Justice. You'll get equipped with the tools you need to carry out social justice right where you are. Now, here's the host of Common Sense on Social Justice, Michael Davis. Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope you're having a good day as well as always, and I hope you're having as much fun listening to these podcasts as I am creating them. Today, you're going to hear probably one of the most unique podcasts you will hear. Uh, It's about how the language you speak can actually cause you to act unjustly towards others. Yeah, you heard me. Are you an English speaker, a speaker of English like I am? Hopefully, because you probably wouldn't understand what I was saying if you weren't. But yes, you heard me right. The English language, not to diss it too much, although I was terribly bored in high school in English classes, I got to say. However, the English language is a contributor to injustice in the world. And I'll explain this podcast how that is. But English is a transactional language, and I'm going to show you how, as a transactional language, it actually uh, promotes injustice and leads us to act unjustly towards others. Uh, And I'll just say it this way. One of the reasons why we have injustice is because we speak English. Yeah, it's probably not the only transactional language there is. However, it is the language of business. In the world, so if you want to do business internationally, you got to know English. And the only reason why English exists now is for business transactions and for the British and American empires. So the British and American empires use English as their language of business. So let me give you an example. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was at an aquatic center. There's this aquatic center I like to go uh, uh, swimming out with my kids and, and, uh, I was in the locker room changing and I was in one of the stalls changing and I overheard two teenage boys talking uh, outside and one of them was trying to get the other one to hurry up and get his clothes changed. And he says, could you hurry up? You move like a 90 year old. He said to the other boy and I had to laugh at that uh, statement. Could you hurry up? You move like a 90 year old. You know what I realized is that that is a transactional statement because as English-speaking boys, they were speaking transactionally. The more human way he could have said it is you move like a person who is 90 years old. But in English, what we do is we remove the human element and turn the phrase into a number. So we could keep the human element. He says you move like a person who's 90 years old but instead we keep it transactional because that's what we're programmed to do and we say you move like a 90 year old we just keep it in terms of numbers now english has come from two nations i mean i know there's a big history of english and i've studied it but it comes from two nations comes from england and america especially modern english and america and england are both empires and they both think in terms of business and conquering and therefore it's no surprise that the language that they speak is language of conquering and business therefore english has no depth of meaning i know other languages i know some ancient languages and 
those languages have an incredible depth to the meaning of their words and phrases and thoughts. But English just lacks depth, period. I, I know with friends, especially friends from other countries, I'm constantly having to explain myself because a phrase in English just comes out all wrong when trying to describe a deep spiritual concept. And I love talking deep spirituality with my friends, but English is not the language to use for deep spiritual conversations. It, it, it lacks. So, for example, let me give you an example of words that lack meaning in English, the word love. The word love can refer to many different things, but without any real meaning. I can love my dog, love pizza, love my spouse, love my friends. I can love in the truest sense of the word, but I can also love pizza. Therefore, the word love in English lacks meaning. But in other languages, they use it very specifically. So it is all about business in the English language. And if you really become conscious of your speaking, you'll notice that everything is in terms of transaction. Uh, I work at a supermarket, and sometimes I work at the cash register up front. And when I do, I notice with customers, it's all transactional language. I was paying attention to this the other day. I realized the first thing I ask is, how are you? Now, I'm not asking, well, for me, I'm actually... Uh, asking because I care and I actually tell customers I'm actually asking that because I really do want to know how you're doing. However, the typical thing is, how are you? I am fine. That's a transaction. I present the document, how are you? And they sign the document with, I am fine, which usually is not true, but that's the transaction we just made. Then the next transaction is, would you like me to bag your groceries? Yes or no, I've got this. Then the next transaction is, are you paying with cash or debit? And most of the time they're looking down at the card reader, waiting to insert their debit card. And I'm just waiting for the receipt to come up. You see, the whole thing was just a business transaction. But the problem is we do this all the time. We go into work with people we work with every day, and instead of really investing in them, what we do is we say, how are you? I'm fine. How are the kids? They're fine. How was your trip? It was good. See, it's all transactional. Uh, and the reason why this is important to justice is because language isn't just about the use of words to communicate. You see, language is just not, is not just a series of words that we use to communicate ideas to each other. Language is and culture go hand in hand and they cause us to think in a certain way. So I've noticed my friends from India think in a certain way when they speak and I think in a certain way when I speak and I'm thinking from a transactional Western point and they're thinking from a spiritual Eastern viewpoint. So it makes it very difficult because it's not just about can I get the right words out, but can I get the thought behind it out? Because there are thought patterns behind the words we use. So then what happens is because of that, then those thought patterns or that way of thinking in the culture and the language then causes us to act 
in certain ways. So because as an English speaker, I uh, am transactionally programmed by the language and the culture, then when I say, how are you, I'm presenting an offer on the table and you're countering the offer with, I am fine. But if I'm in other countries, especially Eastern nations, there is a desire to know where you are internally when I ask certain ways. Now, one of the examples I was thinking of in my study in in the Hebrew language and in the the Jewish scriptures, uh, Moses writes an account of the creation story, and in the book of Genesis in the Christian Bible, it says, Christian Jewish scriptures, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's the first verse of the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, that is a transactional way of putting it. That is not, by the way, how Moses wrote it. That is the English translation. And the English translation took a very deep, spiritual, Eastern Jewish thought and turned it into a transaction. And I'll explain. Because in the Hebrew scriptures, it says, in the beginning, God created towards the heaven and towards the earth. That's the thought pattern behind it. So what that means, and and once you get into the New Testament of the Christian scriptures, Paul, the apostle, explains that we are actually existing inside of God, that the universe is inside of God. Paul says, in God, inside of God, we live, we move, and we have our being. And when David, King David of Israel, wanted to build a temple in Jerusalem for God, God sort of laughed at David and said, I cannot fit inside the universe. How is it you're going to build a house for me to dwell in? And God, through his mercy, allowed David to build that temple or his son Solomon. But uh, still, in Hebrew, think about that. God created towards the heavens and towards the earth. It doesn't mean that they existed and then God moved towards them. It means that God created out of himself the heavens and the earth. In the Hindu tradition, it explains that the, uh, the universe came out of the skin. The planets came out of the skin of... Uh, I'm forgotten now at the point it's Lord Vishnu or Lord Krishna, but it came out of their skin and they took on a bodily form to create the universe. So in other words, in both those traditions, you see the Jewish tradition and the Hindu tradition, you see that God created the universe out of himself. He gave himself to the creation. However, when you get into the English translation, God, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That insinuates that God created something outside of himself. God made a business transaction. He created something outside of himself. Now, we do as humans, right? When I build a house, I don't build it from inside of me. I use materials that are external to my body, and I externally build this structure that is other than me. The house is not me. It is, a, it is different from me. And that's the way it looks in the English Bible, because God created something outside of himself. He created something out there that's different from him. However, in the Jewish, 
Hindu traditions, we come to understand that it actually came out of God. And in the Christian scriptures in the New Testament, we understand that it all exists inside of God, that we're actually inside of God right now. And so you see the difference how English become, takes something deeply spiritual and makes it into a transaction where God transactionally created rather than did it in a very deeply internal way. And that's why this is important, because English-speaking people then subconsciously, because of their conditioning of the language and the culture, they subconsciously think in terms of transaction, productivity, and conquering. Therefore, people don't matter. People become a business transaction. People become a, a, a tool to be used to increase productivity, and they become something to conquer. Can I be bold for a minute with you? Would it be too far gone for me to say maybe we should care about the terrorists coming from the Islamic religion and say we would hope that their hearts would change so that they treat people with more respect and treat women with more respect? Or do we just think in terms of let's kill them and end their lives? You see... Our language has caused us to think in terms of patterns of killing and conquering and in productivity. Everything we say, and I'm really encouraging you to just slow down, step back, and to observe English speakers around you and yourself and notice in a day's time how much of it was just transactional talk. Even if people were having a conversation about their kids, their families, and maybe a picnic they had, how much of it was transactional in nature? So this is where we get down to the nitty-gritty. Why am I bringing this weird subject that you really don't hear about, but why am I bringing this up? Because, uh, because when we... It comes to poverty and injustice because of our condition of language, we tend towards programs. Now, you know, in the past, I've talked about how programs don't work when it comes to injustice and poverty. But because we're so transactionally conditioned by our language and so transactionally shallow, or not transactionally, we're just so shallow because the English language is so shallow in its meaning. And because we're used to shallow speaking and transactional speaking therefore when it comes to poverty and justice instead of seeing people who are suffering and wanting to touch those people we think of them in terms of transaction and we think of them in terms of conquering and productivity let me explain so let's say we've got homeless what's the first thing we say when it comes to homelessness we say we need to get rid of homelessness that's a transactional thought here's a problem get rid of it and we don't see the people who are themselves homeless we see homelessness as this biz problem in our enterprise and then our solution is eliminate it from the bottom line and then we think in terms of productivity, now let's build a program that will produce a number of people. We're going to build low-income housing, and we're going to get 
this many people off the street. We don't say we're going to get Joe Smith off the street. No, we say we're going to get this many people off the street. And the grants, believe me, I know from working for big nonprofits, and the grants, it is built in there that within this quarter, you have to get this many people into housing. Again, it all becomes a business transaction. Homelessness, the word homelessness itself is a transactional word because it has nothing to do with people. People suddenly become a, a, a concept. And then we think in terms of conquering, we're going to get this many people off the streets. Again, we're conquering this problem. Rather, so we, so we turn to programs and these programs demand numbers instead of seeing people. We do, we do not organically serve the oppressed because our language, the English language, is not organic. So because of our, and, and again, languages create thought patterns. That's why people from Eastern and Western cultures think so differently from each other because their languages create certain thought patterns of how to think of a situation or a concept. So because the English language is not organic, it's business in nature, therefore we don't see the oppressed organically. We don't want to actually get to know them and serve them and guide them out of their situation. So in America, we conquer homelessness. Now, in Eastern countries, say India, for example, they'll see a homeless person. They'll say, I wonder what kind of karma that person is dealing with that's caused their homelessness. What, where do they need to change in their thinking? Where do they need to make changes in their interior life that's created this bad karma of homelessness? And how can I help them and guide them deep into their interior so that they can turn around to good karma. You see the difference in thinking? They're not thinking transactionally. They're thinking more organically and, and deeper, more spiritually, and in a more whole concept. You see, so we have to pay attention to our speaking. And if you're stuck speaking the language, English language, because that's the language of your country, well, then you've got to maybe start doing something about it. So, I want to help you do this. How do you overcome the crippling nature of the English language if that is what indeed uh, you're forced to speak in your country of origin? And I've created four steps. How do you overcome the transactional nature of the English language so that when it comes to injustice and poverty, you can more effectively help those who are suffering? First is learn an ancient language. Learn an ancient language. Maybe it's Latin, maybe it's Hebrew, maybe it's something else. And some of the ancient languages actually still exist. Hebrew still exists, it got resurrected uh, and from the past and so on. But learn an ancient language. Don't, and by the way, when you do learn, or if you can't learn an ancient language, learn a modern language from a different culture that thinks more spiritually in its concepts. And by spiritually, I don't just mean things about God. I'm talking about they see the person in a more spiritual nature. But when you do learn that language, don't just learn the words, but learn the cultural thinking of those words. So with the word love, don't just learn what the, the word is, but learn what is the thinking so if you're learning Greek and you say agape 
or eros or phileo or whatever those words are, don't just learn the word and, you know, oh, that means love or like or sexuality or whatever, but learn what's the cultural thinking behind that word. So learn an ancient language or a modern, uh, especially Eastern language. Second, add words to your English sentences. Get in the habit of adding words. So if you have to explain yourself and you realize everything you're saying is transactional, begin to add words to your sentences to, to sort of help alleviate that transactional nature. So instead of saying, you move like a 90-year-old, maybe add, you move like a person who is 90 years old. Make it a little bit more human uh, in its touch. Third, and by the way, I'm not talking about political correctness. I guess I should clear this up a little bit. I'm not talking about speaking politically correct. I don't speak political correct language because I think it's a dumb concept, to be honest with you. And it's enslaving to have to constantly think in ways that don't offend people because people are offended no matter what. But what I'm talking about is getting away from the transactional nature of the language and getting more into a human way of speaking. Third uh, step besides learning an ancient language, add words to your English sentences. But third, break the cycle of the automatic of thinking in terms of transaction and thinking of things as, you know, something to check off the list. Uh, what I mean is this, you know, we are automatic. I bet you automatically go to work the same way every day. I can challenge you take a different route to work. I bet you tie your right shoe and then your left shoe or vice versa. If that's the way you do that every day, begin by tying the opposite shoe first. You see what I mean? Get Break yourself of these cycles of the automatic and start and, and, and break the cycles of thinking automatically in terms of transaction and, and think about what you're saying before you say it. Just slow down a little bit. It's okay. We don't always have to be in a hurry. It's okay. Just slow down a little bit and think about what you're about to say before you say it. And, and break yourself of the cycle of checklists. So, example, we need to get rid of homelessness and we need to build housing. Do this, do that, do that. We need to eliminate sex trafficking by dot, dot, dot. And then we create a checklist. Get rid of that thought. Allow the journey with the person who's caught in that situation to define how you get help get them out of that situation. And then number four, study other cultures. Especially if you're from a Western culture like I am, America, study the Eastern cultures. They're beautiful. I love the Eastern cultures. Study their religions. Study their habits. Study their foods that they eat. Study how they, you know, work and get to work. Uh, study the Eastern cultures so that you can break yourself out of the box of the West. Because if you only think in terms of America and only think in terms of the West, yeah, you're in a box. Get out of that box. Start thinking in Eastern terms. And if you're listening now and you live in an Eastern culture, I encourage you to break out of that and study the Western cultures. Uh, Yogananda, who is a Hindu saint, died in, I think, 1952. Yogananda loved both the Eastern and Western cultures. He was from India, and his guru sent him to Los Angeles here in the United States to live out his life, spreading the teachings of, of yoga in California. And Yogananda said, if we could marry 
the spirituality of the Eastern cultures with the efficiency of the Western cultures, we would live in a perfect world. (laughs) Because I know people in Eastern cultures, especially my friends in India, says, man, they have deep knowledge of God in India, but they can't figure out how to make a a cap on a bottle of pop uh, screw on correctly. (laughs) But in America, we know how to make those perfect bottles for a pop, but we lack our knowledge of God. You know, so if we could get the two cultures together, we, I agree with Yogananda to have a great world. And so how's this been for you? I know this has probably been one of the weirder podcasts you've listened to, but you never maybe even thought that the language I speak is causing injustices, but it does. Believe me, the things I'm saying are without a doubt in my mind, they are true. What do you think? I want your opinion. Feel free to email us sjcommonsense at gmail.com. Hope you have a great day as you make a better world and keep on fighting the good fight. Don't give up. People are worth it. You've been listening to Common Sense on Social Justice with your host, Michael Davis. A common sense and fresh perspective to creating justice where you are. Share your comments and questions with Michael by emailing sjcommonsense at gmail.com. That's sjcommonsense at gmail.com. 